Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today on Around the Coin, I interviewed Greg Beard, the CEO of Stronghold Digital Mining. Stronghold Digital Mining IPO'd in October of 2021. The valuation market cap is somewhere around $500 million. They take, they're the owner of two power plants and they take the excess waste fuel, specifically waste coal, that is in over 800 locations throughout Pennsylvania. And they take this uh, sometimes 200 million tons of waste coal per site and they process it in their power plant. This waste coal had been dumped after the industrial boom and it wasn't used because the BTUs or the energy potential was lower on this coal. So it was discarded and it's just sitting out there. There's over 9,000 acres of land where this pollutinous waste coal is sitting. So Stronghold takes this coal and then processes it in their plants and then uses that to mine Bitcoin. And we talked about that process and the implications that they're having on the environment, that they're having on their local economy, employing people, as well as the obvious implications of crypto mining. So we talked about the economics of crypto mining and running a power plant. We talked about energy in this country and how we should think about energy production and overall how Stronghold is doing what they're doing. So very much enjoyed the conversation with Greg and I hope you do as well. Bring you Greg Beard. All right, Greg. Excited to uh, chat with you today. Uh, I love what you're working on. Obviously a huge part of crypto is the mining and people don't see that, but you guys are very much powering the industry behind the scenes. Um, stronghold, as I, as I understand it, you take the waste coal primarily, at least initially from Pennsylvania, which produced a huge amount of steel and you use that to power crypto mining. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that process of taking the waste coal that's out there and then how that actually turns into energy? You bet. So it's it's a, a huge problem and people don't really know about it, but it's a problem that's been around for more than 100 years. So uh, the byproduct of mining coal is coal waste. And that uh, it really is a result of the good coal, which was used to make steel or power. Um, that was, it's already been burned and, and that was burned in thermal coal plants or in, in, uh, you know, the, the met coal was used to make steel. And that's, those are very specially designed boilers to burn that type of product. 
the the product that came out of the ground that was a lower BTU or had you know rock in it or was marginal in quality, all of that material was left at the side of the mine mouth. And of all the billions of tons of coal that was that was mined and used, you know, properly, um, there were billions of tons that were just left at the surface next to the mine mouth that is the source of a massive uh, pollution in the coal mining states. Before 1974, it was legal to mine coal and leave the coal waste at the side of the mine mouth. So as a result of that, there are more than 800 sites that have piles. And I say the word pile as if it's like a pile of leaves. That's not it. These are mountains and ridge lines that are massive in scale. Uh, so think about, you know, a, a, you know, a gently sloping mountain range. You might have a single pile that has a few hundred million tons in it. You know, we're, we're, we're claiming one site that has about, it's going to take us about 15 years to clear out all of that, that waste coal out of a single site. And at the current rate that the industry is cleaning up all these sites, it's 30 years. But the, the problem, which is, you know, more than a hundred years old now, if there were a solution to it, uh, other than just picking it up as we do and taking it to what, what we have, which is a purpose-built site for remediating waste coal, um, it hasn't been discovered yet. So it's a, uh, of all of these 800 sites, uh, the resulting water pollution is, is more than 7,000 miles of streams and rivers that have a uh, runoff that has, you know, way too much sulfur in it so the fish can't live. You have about 70 of these sites that are on fire right now. They'll get hit by lightning or they will combust if exposed, if, if given oxygen. Um, and they, you know, when they burn in that way, they're emitting, um, obviously carbon, but a lot of the cancer causing toxins that you really don't want in the atmosphere. And how many of these um, are, are, are close to where people live? Are they in very rural areas or are they semi? You know what? So it's, um, a, a few of these sites are really close to Pittsburgh. So there's the, you know, one that are uh, a famous one for us is called Russellton and that's about 12 miles from downtown Pittsburgh. So I think the, the social aspect of it, which I, I think it's sort of a version of, you know, it's, it's absolutely unfair that you had, you know, mining communities where they, they might've been mining for 80 years out of a site, you know, the mine shuts down and all the jobs go. And what's left is a smoldering pile of waste that makes a big portion of the, of the community uninhabitable and undesirable. Um, and so this is, these are not, you know, if this problem existed, you know, in, in a wealthy enclave in New York or California, this, these problems would have been cleaned up decades ago. Uh, so because it's, it's, it's more in rural, poorer parts of the country you know, with, with people that don't have as much of a voice, Hey, these have been left behind. Yeah. So it's a, you know, I think many Pennsylvanians are aware of the problem or, or grew up next to a waste coal pile or drove past one on the way to work. So it's really not a mystery to the state. And, you know, so we have the support of the, you know, like bipartisan support of the state legislature and governor to clean up these, these messes. Um, we partner with the department of environmental conservation and, uh, and protection and, and remediation and sort of picking, they, they will call us and say, Hey, will you, will you come in and, uh, you know, clean up a site that is sort of next on their hit list of being the most damaging? Um, 
but it's a it's a big big problem in the state of Pennsylvania, and it's a legacy problem that goes back you know, decades and decades. In the uh, the process by which you collect and process the coal waste, that is a relatively new. Would you call it a, a technological discovery, or is it more using organic matter to process the coal waste and turn it into ash that's then used for energy production? Sure. So it's the technology has been was was made popular in the early nineties. Uh, so it's not brand new, and it's. Uh, we have our facilities would cost about a half a billion dollars each to rebuild if you were to start from scratch today. <clears throat> so they are not inexpensive, nor are they small. Um, the process is we have to, we use excavators and bulldozers and, and trucks to move the material from the waste sites to our facilities, of which today we have two, one in Eastern Pennsylvania, one in Western. And that at, at those sites, the, the waste is sorted, you know, by its BTU content and by its quality. And then it's, uh, it's processed and put into a boiler that has what's called a fluidized bed technology in it. So mo- most thermal coal plants don't suspend the coal in air while they burn it. It just, they think about like an old locomotive or steamship, you know, shoveling the coal into a boiler that coal is fine to sit on the bottom of a boiler and it will burn because it's a high enough BTU, like 12,000 BTU. BTU of this waste material is probably half that. And uh, it won't, it'll sort of smolder, but it won't really burn unless you suspend it, uh, like which, which uh, suspended in air, which our process does. Um, I see. So, so, so the, the measure of the BTU is effectively the thermal potential. So if I take charcoal that I'm going to cook on a grill, that is probably high BTU because it's made for cook, consumer cooking. But this is like yes. if you're if you're going to hold up heat to it, is the BTU the measure of how much heat can be released? How or is it how much temperature required to release heat? No, oh, it's it's a it's a it's a heat measurement. So if, if you burn it, how much heat or how much energy will be released? So that's British thermal units, um, which is an energy measurement. You know, probably by you know, by, by pound. So it's a, um, uh, it's just, it's purely how much heat will be generated when it combusts. Yeah. (laughs) Or we get about half the amount of heat that, that, that usable coal would, would generate. And my understanding was, like you said, this has been around for a few decades, but your unique spin on it, which was a, would, would you call it a pivot or, or a growth from the previous business is that you're now using it specifically for Bitcoin where previously there was a, a, a company using it to extract the energy just and sell it into the grid or what, what was that transition That's, into stronghold from what it was previously yeah. like? Yeah. So, Hey, I'm, I'm missing my partner, Bill Spence for this call. Uh-huh, He's uh-huh. The, he was the, um, the owner of the plant that, that called me to, to help him, uh, you know, with this project, but, uh, as a power plant, Hey, if you want to make power, you know, build, build a nuclear power plant, build a natural gas fired power plant. And that's, that's a more efficient way to make power. Our plant was really designed as a, as an environmental remediation facility where the byproduct is power and beneficial use ash. And so selling power into the grid, you know, um, it's sort of, you know, it, it, it kind of breaks even. It might, it might, you know, with energy prices up a little bit now, um, 
you know, we'll, we'll do, we'll do okay, but it's not, you're not going to make a, you know, you're not going to have a fantastic business just selling power into the grid. Um, or at least that wasn't the case a few years ago. So to the, to the, to the power plants credit, they begin to play with and experiment with running Bitcoin mining machines, which in our view, Bitcoin mining is really just is a power price, power arbitrage business. And, uh, so maybe about three years ago, uh, the, the bill and those at the plant began to experiment in a beta test way. And then in, in late 2020, uh, we said, Hey, why don't we do this in a, in an industrial scale kind of way in which we planned out the, the necessary infrastructure modifications to the facility to set up, uh, electric distribution and create a big data center at the plant. And that was the big, that was this, the late 2020, um, uh, I would say it was the, you know, design work and all that was installed starting early 2021. And, uh, that's what got us in business. So we, we went from, you know, I'd say beta testing our own to thinking maybe we'll sell power to those crazy Bitcoin mining guys yeah. to deciding, Hey, we're better off. Uh, instead of hosting mining Bitcoin for ourselves, which is the route that we've taken. Yeah, it seems to me like the, the like you said, it's an arbitrage. So whoever has the lowest means of production of energy ultimately is going to be able to make the most money when in Bitcoin mining. There's got to be a significant, would you say, like talk to me about the other side. I'm curious uh, to just say, we're, we're just going to turn on Bitcoin mining. You need to build how complex is the technical infrastructure there? Is it a matter of just purchasing the servers off the shelf or is there a lot of like software engineering or data engineering to set all that up? Yeah, you know what? So we're, we're vertically integrated. So obviously if, if we're running a power plant, we have teams of electrical engineers, teams of guys that are, you know, welding and fixing things. And so for us, I think it was probably easier for, for most I think, you know, there, there are probably dozens of examples of guys that were mining Bitcoin, you know, getting free power from their parents, you know, hey, and, say, and, and deciding, hey, I can make this, we got to do this on industrial scale. You then find out industrial scale is a much different operation than, you know, running a couple of miners at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's heat management. You know, if you, if you co-locate at a power plant, we had to bring our our electrical voltage down from 110,000 volts to the usable voltage for machines, which is 415. And that, that means a lot of transformers. Um, we, we designed our own pods to house, you know, about 250 Bitcoin mining servers per, per pod. And all of those have, uh, you then have heat issues. You then have airflow management issues. And so, you know, you, you learn as you go, but after having now done this, for, uh, you know, a couple of years in the beta test phase to now industrial scale, we're actually, you know, we're pr- fairly efficient at it. Um, and we're working on more high tech solutions that you, you wouldn't dream of if you weren't s- of scale. Like an example of that is right now we're developing software ourselves that will, um, with the, you know, click of a, of a, a mouse button, take the the minor 
uh, power usage down and their processing down from, you know, 100% down to, you know, just above zero, basically put the miners in sleep mode. Mm. And that's going to let us divert power from our data center back to the grid uh, should the grid need that power on an emergency basis. And the reason we'd be interested in doing that is that, hey, we're a power plant, we're hooked up to the grid. And if if the grid needs the power, it's that's sort of the, the contract that you have with the you know, with your communities, with the, the grid that we are a part of, which is PJM, that should that power be needed, we will deliver it. Um, usually they, they give us a day, a day's notice for when they may want the power. Um, but they would give us a, uh, you know, an, an extra sort of bonus payment if we were able to deliver that power, you know, instantaneously, which is what this software can do. So it's a, you know, which ends up getting very complicated. So uh, from, from our vantage point, hey, there are many that just buy miners and they'll pay others for the power and they'll pay a third party to to host the miners in, in their pods. And um, hey, if, if Bitcoin is, you know, goes from here to 100,000 and hash rate doesn't, doesn't grow all that quickly, hey, those, those will be proven to be the smartest guys in the room. Uh, but if Bitcoin stays around here, and you see hash rate grow, you will see compression of of margin in Bitcoin mining, and you're going to care immensely about cost. And so I think from our vantage point, owning our own power assets gives us the lowest variable cost. Managing our own data center that we built ourselves gives us the lowest capex and the lowest opex cost of that that can be achieved. And so in a in a in, in, in a bear market or a down market, uh, I think we will be proven to have have margin preservation when others may not. And we have all the upside that everyone else has. So it's a, yeah. you know, I think w- we didn't go into my background, but I've, I, I spent, you know, 20 plus years in, in, inve- in energy investing in private equity, mm-hmm. the last 10 before Stronghold at Apollo. And so thinking about downside protection which is not really, you know, most Bitcoin investors are, you know, I would just are probably d- describe them as true believers in blockchain and Bitcoin and it's going to the moon and, you know, don't be a naysayer. Mm-hmm. And I hope they're right. But, hey, if it takes longer or if there are cycles along the way, you know, surviving will give you a lot more, you know, it'll be a lot more entertaining and much more beneficial for the investors than, than if you don't. So I think we, we've tried to build a model that has all of the upside that every other miner has, but that has a lot of downside protection to it. And the, uh, the downside. So when the price of Bitcoin goes down and the hash rate goes up or remains where it is, the, ha- is the hash rate what's most closely correlated to the price of mining? So if the hash rate goes, or is that more the demand side? So as the hash rate goes up, then there's a higher demand for uh, mining. Yeah. What's that relationship? I was thinking about this way. So the the higher the Bitcoin price goes, the more economic it is to mine for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And so you can expect more miners to be plugged into the network mm-hmm. to do all the work. And, and you're sharing the rewards of Bitcoin mining among the entire group. Uh, and so, you know, think about hey, more people mining, your, your slice of the pie is relatively smaller mm-hmm. and the higher the Bitcoin price is, the more economic it will be for older machines to stay on the network or for newer machines to be built. 
and for capital to be invested in the industry. So it's a, it's absolutely correlated, you know, and it, the converse is also true. If Bitcoin prices drop, don't expect a lot of new capital to come into the market. Don't expect a lot of new machines to come online. In fact, you might expect some machines to unplug. If you're losing money mining, you should probably unplug your machine. Uh, and that's that. That's what happens. So our cost of power, um, like when we're fully you know operational and have everything all tuned up, it should be under two cents, which I think our estimate it's about half of the industry average. Okay, so so another way to say that would be if there's a uh, like a like utilization curve, you're just going to be you're going to have more. There's m- more prices at which you can remain profitable. I mean, if Bitcoin drops to a hundred dollars per coin, maybe you guys there's is that how you think of it? Like there's a fifteen if it drops below fifteen thousand, we're not profitable. Or there's some does that, does every you know, miner us, have that number yeah. in their so so, so so most. Yeah, every miner will have a number where a a, a price for Bitcoin uh, and a a global hash rate or an expected reward number where they'll say, "Hey, turn the thing off, turn off the miner." From our vantage point, we have yet another variable, which is how much can we sell our power for on in the open market? Oh, interesting. And that's what makes us unique. So, hey, Bitcoin mining isn't economic. Okay, well, hey, we have this power plant here. Why don't we? Instead of instead of sending power to the an uneconomic data center, we'll send the power to the grid, and we can make money at grid pricing. So we're we're never going to be in a in a cash negative situation uh, because of uh, that fact. I guess you know that that it could happen if power prices went to you know zero and Bitcoin went to zero. Then sure we're going to be stuck like everybody else. But um, you know our feedstock is practically free we have to pay the trucking cost and maybe pay a royalty in a, in a site or two but you know we have really uncorrelated power pricing costs uh where most you know power in our area is really dictated by the price of natural gas and so we are you know we're decoupled from natural gas in terms of uh of our costs yet we get the benefit of high natural gas prices and the prices of power so it's a, yeah. I view this, our business as a giant power arbitrage machine that has, that's also making the grid more reliable with the continuation of the kind of greening and renewable energy segment of the power economy. Interesting. Okay. And, and, and this is fueled, your business in particular is fueled by the 200 million tons of waste coal. I mean, that's, and that's not something you're going to go through in the next few years. That's going to be available for decades. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a single site. And so, oh, and there, wow. there are, you know, 800 of these sites, probably with billions of tons. Wow. So okay. like the, the, the latest estimates have been, hey, we had, the industry has 30 years of work to do to clean up the sites, but I'm not sure they even know where all the sites are. And when you really get down into them, some of them are, you know, a couple hundred feet deep and you might've thought they were 30 feet deep. So it's a, this is, uh, you know, I think we're, we're, we're not in the early days of the cleanup, but it's decades to go. It, it, do you have an idea as to what I would imagine the grid where you are is, is the grid restricted? This is 
probably a question generally speaking about grids, but are, are is the grid localized to a city or do you think of the grids as being, is the way that we've constructed grids like in a, on a city mesh network? So yeah. when you're producing electricity, could the price per kilowatt hour end, end up or is it lower in the grid that you're powering versus like Los Angeles or other places? Yeah, so yeah, you think about when you think about the national grid, there are our regional networks as well. Ours is called PGM in Texas, it's called ERCOT. And even within PGM, there are nodes that have their own pricing. So and you might have a constraint or a, a plant down in a in a node that might make power pricing of that node higher, or you could have a blown up transformer or or a switch yard that's down that could you know, rerouting that would give you a unique power pricing scenario. Um, but it is a, the, the big crisis that we are, have, have created with the energy transition or energy transition. I mean, going from baseload fossil fuel plants like coal, nuclear, gas to, uh, intermittent renewable sources like wind and solar is that our grid, which is already old, was not designed for intermittent sources of renewable energy to be inputted into it. Um, and the, the way that the, that the world is compensating for that fact is by installing batteries to run when the solar fuel isn't, isn't running or when the wind, when the wind isn't blowing, the wind farm isn't making energy. The issue with batteries is obviously they are, they create a lot of land and water pollution to make the battery in the first place. They don't last very long in terms of, you know, maybe they last, you know, 10 years, but like, just look at your, mm -hmm. your computer phone or your cell phone battery. The, the half-life of that, you know, is a couple of years long. So it's not, they're not great as they have, as they, as they are. Um, and then when they, when they're drawn upon, you might get a couple of hours out of them, but you know, to get a, a battery to power the entire grid, like you can't get a battery big enough. Um, so it's really an imperfect solution. Uh, so a, what, what Bitcoin mining offers, and I think it's, it's, it was talked, uh, a lot about like during the, the Texas kind of blackout of last year. Um, if you have, if you have power that's being generated, that's being used to mine Bitcoin, and it's a, you know, traditional fossil fuel asset that's running to power that data center, um, a Bitcoin is great, is great, you know, but it's not a life and death, uh, mission. You know, you, you can shut the data center down for a day or a few hours without really impacting, you know, uh, people's livelihoods all that much. Um, the nice part about having a power plant that's up and running with a, a demand source, Bitcoin mining that can be diverted to the grid is that acts like an effective battery that's not going to run out of juice in two hours and can be, all that power can be diverted within milliseconds. I would say, I would argue maybe even more quickly than a battery can, can get to its full burst of, of load. In the last 10 years, over $100 billion worth of crypto has been lost or stolen, specifically because of poor key management scams and hackers. Forget not your keys, not your crypto. Software and hardware wallets have both the same vulnerability that a single private key can be lost, hacked, or simply just misplaced. My new sponsor, the Zengo Crypto Wallet, is a total game changer, bringing wallet security to a whole new level. 
you have to check out Zengo, an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which has just until now only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. So Zengo, most secure Web3 wallet, is the best place to keep your crypto, NFTs, and assets secured. It's also fully recoverable using their biometric recovery system, and it's also just beautiful. Get started at Zengo.com and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's Zengo.com, code ATC for $20 back on your purchase of $200 or more. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. That's interesting. Uh, That's really interesting. So it's you you describe it as a battery, the Bitcoin mining operation itself. So moving from uh, just a fossil fuel means of production into the grid, uh, in lieu of that, or in addition to that, you have uh, Bitcoin mining. In, in the case of Stronghold, your cost of production is lower. So one thing I don't understand is why would the when you describe it as a battery uh wouldn't it wouldn't the 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 direction you're pointing energy to the you're either selling energy to bitcoin i mean i think of it as like you're selling into the yeah. the bitcoin grid or the electrical grid <clears throat> aren't you always going to as an energy energy product producer you're always going to sell it into the 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 grid that has the highest price so in the same way the the price for the electrical grid goes, it spikes when there's an outage, giant transformer yeah. blows up. Um, or if the price of Bitcoin drops tremendously, you pump it into the grid. Is, is there, so do these prices ride close to each other? I mean, is there, most days are they, is it a, is it a wash whether you could sell it into Bitcoin or into oh, the electrical grid? That's a great grid? question. So today selling power into the grid, and I can look. I can look it up and tell you where PJ pricing is right this very second. Uh, usually, it's around um, fifty dollars a megawatt. You know, lately so that's what you could sell power into the grid for. A Bitcoin price equivalent. So today, right now in our in our uh, segment, our node, it's thirty seven dollars a megawatt. So that's that's what we can sell power for into the grid. The economics of using that power to mine Bitcoin today, we earn more than two fifty. Oh, okay. Two hundred fifty dollars megawatt. So it's a it is a huge, much much more economic activity to sell power to to ourselves to and use it to mine Bitcoin. Um, there are times though when when the you know power demands are are high, where you can see north of a hundred dollars a a megawatt for power, and I think there are times when the grid actually 
just needs our needs our power. And because we are uh, we we earn a capacity payment from our our uh, from PJM, mm. we are obligated to during those times, certain times, which happens a handful of times a year, they will they will call us and say, "Hey, you must deliver your power to the grid." And they pay us. I think we get between our two plants, you know, five or six million dollars a year in payments for the service of delivering power to the grid when it's needed. I see. I so see. There, and, and, there are times that's not optional, and then there are times when it's optional. And in return for that, you are, I guess, are these plants producing? What percentage of the energy the plants are producing goes to Bitcoin mining versus the grid? Is it only a few days a year they go to the grid, or is it? Yeah, no, it's, it's a handful of days a year, or okay. it's, it, it may be even a couple, it, it's in, in aggregate, or it could be a couple hours in a day. Um, and so it's a, uh, you know, these are 80 megawatt power plants of which we have the electrical infrastructure built out for a 70 megawatt data center. So I think we're all, we're always tied into the grid. So we're always going to be delivering a little bit of power to the grid to stay in sync with the grid, have that connectivity. To then have the power flows rise and fall as as would as economics would dictate. Why have the maybe this has happened and I don't know, but have the prices of electricity gone up for people in their homes uh, and on the grid because there have been a diversion from uh, uh, power producers saying, you know, if I'm looking at two fifty a megawatt hour to or megawatt to thirty five, it's like why doesn't every major power plant as long as they're not publicly owned, just start producing on, on Bitcoin? Or has that happened? Yeah, you know what? I get that question a lot. So hey, the the typical, in fact, uh, you know, Senator Warren asked that question in an open letter, not an open letter, I guess it was an open letter, to uh, to a handful of Bitcoin mining companies. So we're, we represent, you know, PGM, our grid is a 70,000 megawatt grid. And our, our little power plants are 160 megawatts in aggregate. And we are, you know, and as I said earlier, the prices of power are really dictated by the price of natural gas. Mm. And so we can't, we can't really, you know, our little 160 megawatts out of 70,000, we don't move the needle uh, at all. I think at, at, uh, and so that's, that's sort of part one. Part two, why isn't every power business converting their power to Bitcoin? Uh, it takes effort and ingenuity. I think you could use, there are many, there are many uses of power that would earn a user more economic, in you know, more economic advantage than just selling the power in the grid, like using the power to make aluminum, mm. for example. You know, they, they can, but it takes a big, takes know-how, takes a little, you know, some entrepreneurialism, which I think most public utilities, I'm not sure that's what they're <laughs> famous for, not to insult them. Um, yeah. no, they're not. And it's not their core business, yeah. you know, um, I think what we what we're trying to build is a company that has optionality. Even the data centers that we're we're that we're projecting to be building in the future, we're contemplating putting in uh, more sophisticated buildings where you could do you know cloud computing or AI or you know Hollywood uh, movie rendering. You know, it's a um, because I think you, you really, you sort of think, hey, Bitcoin, we think has a bright future, makes a lot of sense. Uh, but hey, if it doesn't work or it's regulated out of existence, you want to still have a, a, a purpose is these, these are big infrastructure, you know, builds 
And so we're, we're just trying to, and it, it, it's not that much more expensive to build a, you know, what I would call a proper, you know, data center than it is to build our pods. And so we're likely to, to take that route and just, we'll still run the Bitcoin mining machines in those data centers, but we'll have yet another option should, should we, uh, find that Bitcoin mining isn't economic someday. And, and would, would you do that? Because it almost seems like there's a business where, you know, you guys vertically own the the, the stack. Uh, is there a company now or is this potentially in the stronghold future where you have a, and, and tell me if this is what you're describing, but there's a, you know, 18 wheeler that's got servers and all sorts of hardware on there and it just bolts right up to any power plant in the country and it gives uh the option for the people in that power plant to say hey do you want to divert attention or uh, energy to bitcoin or yeah. any of the other options you described so thinking it like you sell that widget that connects on to bolts onto other yeah. power plants you know what so the the infrastructure that you need to install to modify the power plant is multi tens of millions of yeah. dollars to 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 install um and the reason is power plants make power to deliver to the grid and uh i think that the you you have to you know access what's called the bus duct that is that's the that's the point at which you you exit the the building mm-hmm. the, the boiler building that has the generator in it and go to the you know go to a small switch yard that makes it to the grid so you're you're doing sort of massive scale electrical engineering projects and it will require you, you know, yeah, uh, tens of millions of dollars, probably at least a year of planning if you even know what you're doing. Yeah. So I think the idea to have a, I think it's an interesting idea to have, hey, why don't you just roll this semi-trailer up full of Bitcoin mining equipment and plug it in? Um, <laughs> no, not that quite uh, easy, huh? <laughs> yeah, the plug, the issue is the, the the plugs aren't designed that way. Yeah. Um, you have to do, you have to invest a lot to get them. I think you could do it in a small way, maybe for, you know, I would, I would bet most power plants and maybe not even aware of it. You probably have three to five megawatts of power available at the plant, like through like welding outlets. And you could, in theory, plug, uh, you know, a handful of megawatts of miners in those outlets mm. and get take advantage of, of cheap pricing in that way. Mm. Um, but you're not going to get a, you know, a, a 50 megawatt data center out of it that yeah, way. Yeah. 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 No, I actually, my first, uh, my first job, how I paid my way through college, uh, I went to school for mechanical engineering and I had a, uh, part-time 20 hours a week job <clears throat> throughout the whole time. Uh, at UConn, and it was at a cogeneration plant on campus. So I would go pretty much whenever I had a break from class and go into the power plant, and I would design, I'd I'd draw up all the piping throughout the whole system. They had no drawings. So I'd walk around and draw up all the lines and got to pretty much go everywhere across the whole plant. And it was fascinating to me to see how uh, this whole system works, but no one has any idea. You know, no, no student is allowed in there. They don't really understand where energy comes from. And I think similar to money, energy is one of these hugely important utilities and infrastructures networks that we have. But when you don't see behind the scenes, you know, you don't see how money is printed and how banks distribute it and how all this works. You just kind of use your credit card and your bank account, or in this case, you turn on the light switch. But 
now people, I think, are becoming much more aware and interested in energy and money and both how they work and the implications that these decisions that we're starting to make have, uh, where it's really fascinating. It's like most people, I think, even in their 20s, couldn't describe what the grid is, what a transformer does, how we produce energy, what, what decisions between coal, natural gas, nuclear. But the conversations are starting to happen. And I think about like one that's come up a lot was nuclear, pros and cons, um, sustainable energy. Is, does it make sense to put a solar panel on every house and just have massive subsidies for that? Or does it make sense to invest in solar power plants where we just centralize all the collection of solar and then pump it into the grid? And like the answer to that is not simple. And it seems like there's... Uh, diverse approaches that politicians and entrepreneurs have taken. I'm curious, you, you invested a lot into the energy. You spent a long time probably looking at decks and talking to founders and a assessing companies. Are there takes that you have on the direction you think that we should go as a country or maybe even specific to cities or things that you think, uh, like what's, what are we doing wrong and where should we go? Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about the title of a book is like, Hey, you know, why the, why the green energy revolution is failing and how to fix it. Mm. You know, I'd say, uh, should write it. It's, 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 um, what we're doing is a, has, is popular and it's going to continue to happen. So and what we're doing is installing solar and wind. Um, there is a belief that is a myth that solar and wind is now cheap enough to be on par with conventional, uh, fossil fuel generated electricity prices. And that would be true if the sun were shining 24 hours a day, but it doesn't shines for, you know, 10 to 15 hours a day. Mm. Uh, and so it's a, you know, then you need to add a battery to get the equivalent of the fossil fuel generation. You need to then add a battery and, uh, then you need a much bigger solar field in order to feed that battery because that has to run at night. So it's just, the, the math around the economics are still suggest that renewable energy is about three times the cost of fossil fuel generation. And you can, you can understand that better when you look at the, the mo, the grids in the world that have the highest percentage renewable energy in those grids also have the highest cost of power in the world. Um, and that, and that's a, you know, that, that's the, that biggest tell as to what actually is actually happening. So I think it's a, what we're doing is a very regressive thing. So we're going to basically give, you know, Americans or global citizens a cost of power. That's three times what we had before. And I'm not sure that we're, that we're really getting what we think we're getting in exchange for that. You know, um, you know, solar panels don't last forever. Wind farms don't last forever. They're intermittent. You know, and that's not even speaking to all the trillions of dollars that you have to invest in the grid to even make that work at all. This yeah. wasn't designed for this. Yeah. Um, and we're doing that at the same time that we are electrifying cars and industry, which is great. Like it's so like, who doesn't want to have a, to have less carbon, less pollution in the air? Everyone wants that. But you know, the, the, so I guess you asked, how do you fix it? Um, like my view which is not a popular view is that we have a, you know, 50 or 60 year old technology that's carbon free that was designed for the existing grid infrastructure that works 24 hours a day. Um, 
And it's nukes. Nukes. Yeah. Nuclear energy. Yeah. Nuclear energy. It just seems like, you know, like, how about this? What do you think about this? So if you almost like take a bigger, like macro perspective, you say, boom, we have the big bang. Then suns collect energy and then planets that are cooler form around the suns and our energy that we consume comes from the sun, like fossil fuels or dead animals that have crystallized in the ground, fossilized in the ground, pressurized, and then we burn them. And that carbon is the, is the molecular makeup of those animals and plants. Nuclear energy goes, I mean, nuclear energy is the energy contained in, in the molecules itself during the stars explosions. And it seems to me like the, the evolution of a society would be first, you're capable of doing wind energy, right? Water energy. You can see that in, you know, old windmills and old hydro plants. Um, then you discover the, the gold in the ground, the fossil fuels in all different forms, energy and, or, uh, 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 fossil fuels like natural gas and gasoline that we turn it and pump into the cars. But the most complex way to harness energy is nuclear energy. And, Maybe we we did it too early. I don't know the reasons why there was these large meltdowns in the past, but it seems to me that deep down inside, people are still scared of that. And that that fear is what pressures politicians to not put forth serious plans to integrate nu- nuclear energy. And I, I don't know, are there are there con- countries now that have are, are setting good examples? Uh, I know Germany was using a, a large part of nuclear energy as their energy production, but has that changed? I think they rolled back those plans. It's, it's hard to believe what Germany did, not yeah. to insult, you know, the Germans, but they shut down their their nuclear power plants, which were carbon free, didn't really have a backup plan. They were counting on more renewable energy. They ended up uh, importing um, like really dirty coal, produ- coal fired production from their neighbors. So they ended up in a much worse place. We looked at Germany's carbon footprint pre uh, Fukushima when they, you know they, they shut it down post that. They're uh, they're much worse than they were, and they're now hostage to uh, Russia. Yeah, terrible. Did uh, they shut down their plants because of the, Fukushima? Yes, they did. Wow. And it, by the way, if any culture of engineering talent could run nuclear power assets, it's Germany. If they can't do it. No one can do it. You know, but I think if you looked at the the three nuclear accidents the world has had, and that's where we're sort of going down a rabbit hole. Maybe this is what you're looking for. But uh, the um, you know Chernobyl, Fukushima, Three Mile Island, Three Mile Island was not was that was like a, a disaster averted, like no radiation was you know was emitted. Uh, I'm not sure anyone even died. Uh, Chernobyl was a huge disaster. Fukushima was a disaster. Chernobyl was a, you know, you should watch the Netflix show on Chernobyl. Yeah, that's just a, they, that's human error, not technological error. Fukushima was design error. They put a plant in a, you know, tsunami prone area and put the backup generation in a place that can get wet. Um, and so it wasn't, I, I think, you know, even so, if you looked at the deaths from, from nukes, it's a fraction of any other of the, of the existing industries, probably even like number of people that probably die installing windmills. It probably exceeds the number of people that have died hmm. in nuclear accidents. Yeah. Um, so it's just not a, and, and we have, a, you know, our government's using nuclear powered submarines, nuclear yeah. powered 
you know, uh, aircraft carriers. So it's not like we can't build these things. Heck, now that we can build them in a small size and make them mobile. So it's not like it's a technology we can't handle. Yeah. We're doing it. Yeah. But it's, it's not a populist thing to say. Why is that? I mean, to me, it sounds like everything you said right now sounds pretty incontrovertible. Is it that people just don't? Because no one wants it in their backyard. Right. No one wants it in their backyard. Right. And so probably, the, you know, the reason why you need government is, like, hey, the existing nuclear facilities, hey, that plant's already in the backyard. It's aging. Replace it with another nuke. Don't tear it down and and replace it with a wind farm that's not going to really be effective. Replace it with another. The nuke is already in the backyard. Just replace it. Um, and then design it with, with you know, that, that's why government exists, to regulate and make sure things are safe. Um, we should be able to do that here. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the nuke. The nuclear waste you can you can end up in a uh, in a uh, you know I think the government ought to ought to really support processing of that waste and that's what France does mm. that's why they've been successful. But is France largely run yeah. on n- nuclear? Do you know the the breakdown? Are they? It, um, it's I think the majority is nuclear energy in France. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's hard to disagree. Frankly, I, I guess pe- literally people just don't want it near them. Is it possible to extend the distance from the grid to the production of nuclear? Like, could you put it a hundred miles away or more than that? Or is there just deterioration in the energy loss? No, you could just, yeah, it's, it's, you, you could just build transmission lines to carry the energy. That's, that's so, and I think we have, and we have, you know, if you fly across the United States, we have plenty of open space yeah. out here. And wh- why not? I mean, could you make, could you have like all the nuclear energy production in the center of the com- country where no one is and just pump it out? I mean, maybe not that. No, you, but, you know, you, you sort of, you probably, you, you, max, you max out at a, at a couple of gigawatts or 2000 megawatts or so per plant yeah. before you end up with grid troubles. You want to have it fairly well distributed out to where the, pretty, you know, closer to where the power is being used to be better. But I mean, I, I, they, they could, it's that project is a fraction of the project of adding all the solar and wind we're adding and yeah. the cost of handling it that way. And like we're, we're choosing voluntarily the hard way, which is anyway, we're, we're, we're crazy to do it, but that's what we're doing. Yeah, no, it's, it's terrible. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Is that, is there some potential other explanation to this? I mean, do you think there's some kind of lobbying or, or political agenda? I mean, to me, it does, I don't see it, but maybe, maybe it's there, you know, I don't know that there's energy, green energy, you know, windmill farmers are somehow 
you know, oh, it's just it's just, it's a it's a it's a good political soundbite. Yeah, we're gonna you know put up a clean energy, carbon free, you know, windmill or solar plant. What they what they don't go on to say is, well, your power is gonna end up costing three times as much, and the pollution from the batteries, you know, that have to go to make it the same. It doesn't really, you know, this the the negative aspects of it are omitted. Um, but anyway, it's it, it's that's what we're doing. So I don't want to I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not against solar. I'm not against. Yeah. Saying, well, hey, if, if 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 you could, if you could have if there you know if the country were run by a king, you wouldn't do what we're doing. You would yeah. say, hey, guys, we studied it. We sh- this is foolish. We're going to end up with a power that costs much more for for you know our residents and doing it this way. As long as we run it safely, you know, and it's not it's not even it's not brand new. It's not like a new tech. This is 50 year old technology. God, yeah. So it's not a, it's not a new idea. Oh, I know. I know. It's uh, it's wild. It's wild. But like you said, yeah, we're going down that road. And it really is the price of moving too quickly. Like there will be a point at which it makes sense. But if maybe not, if you had nuclear online, but there's I I hear this debate when people talk about government incentives for green technology, whether it's cars or energy production or whatever it is, but that that it's better to be early than late. Uh, And that there's there's truth to that. You know, you don't want to do nothing ever, but if you move too quickly and you end up jacking the price of energy by three times, like the negative externalities of that can be like hugely costly and hugely guaranteed to happen. Like it's, we're not rolling the dice here. It's like, yeah, if energy went up three times, the negative impacts of that economically are going to be huge. And a lot of people are going to die as a result of that. So yeah, you know. The the unintended consequences of policy we will we'll find out, but I, I you know I think we're living through it. Yeah. Do you have other th- things? Like, give me a sense for how many uh, companies you've looked at in the energy space, or how many different project use assess. Is it in the tens or hundreds? I'd imagine there's not as many. Oh, it's it it depends on in which context. As an energy investor, thousands, thousands, yeah. As a you know, as a, in the renewable energy space, it's not, you know, not quite as many, but it's, you can't, you, if you're, if you've been in the, in this business, you, you know what the, what the real economics are. And as some people will make a lot of money developing these assets, you know, but I think what's, it's just not talked about as to what, what happens, uh, and what, what the impact is on overall pricing. Right. Where, where do you see the most interesting aspect? Certainly, uh, crypto mining is a space where a lot of people are investing and there's a lot of lucrative returns. Um, you know, nuclear is off the table, but if it weren't, then people could be building plants and there'd be a lot of explosive growth in that category. People are building windmills, solar panel companies. Are, are there other areas of energy that you see as being really uh, high growth right now or exciting and innovative? Um, you know, I, I love what we're doing Yeah, at Stronghold, you know, being like the vertical integration of our model, mm. you know, owning the power, taking, you know, fixing a, an environmental crisis that's happening in Pennsylvania, using Bitcoin to, to effectively finance it all, you know, without government help. Um, I, you know, I think it's, it re- has resonated with a lot of people. So I would not, yeah, I wouldn't change what, what, what we mm-hmm. get to do in the, in the team that we have to do it. Um, I'm very, very lucky to, to, uh, be involved. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I, I would not, uh, I wouldn't put anything ahead of what, what our activity is 
at Stronghold. And I think the, the Bitcoin mining industry is, is, I'd be surprised if in five years, the majority of the industry isn't also vertically integrated. Really? Yeah. Meaning owning the own power assets. It's, it just, it doesn't, the economics of it are good today. Um, but hey, it's a, it's a cyclical and volatile market that will have diminishing returns as hash rate grows. Mm. And with halvings that, you know, we'll see a halving coming up in 2024. That'll, that will probably wake the industry up to, hey, control your costs. Um, but by then it's too late. Yeah. 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 No, I think you guys are probably one of the most exciting companies in the space. Uh, you, you, I, IPO the company, um, last year, October, October of 2021. Right. Um, yeah. what are the, when you look forward, uh, are there obvious implications of that? Is the access to capital? Like what, why go IPO? Is it just easier access to? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So we, we, um, we took uh, two private rounds of financing in early 2021 that obligated us to to either sell the company or take the company public um, within uh, you know nine months or so. Really? So we had an obligation to our investors to do it, but it was an extremely fast timeline. And you know, with all of the you know, and Bitcoin mining or Bitcoin pricing. Uh, on the day that we priced the IPO was around, you know, just under $60,000 a coin. So it was a great time to go public and raise that capital. I think since then, at least we, we've seen volatility and, you know, and prices are, are around $20,000 lower than they were last October. Uh, so I would say the, so the market has cooled off substantially since then, which it makes us happy that we get access to the capital that we received in the IPO to be able to execute on our business plan. I think there are are dozens and dozens of companies that saw what we did and what others did to get to get public and were on our heels, mm. you know, to also get public and they missed the window. So they did not get access to the public market capital. And they're now now left with a, you know, a half built business or an underfunded business. And, you know, we'll see what happens to them. Mm. But for the for those that get access to the capital. That have the capital that they, that they need, the you know we're better off with uh, the industry being underfunded from here because you won't see the growth in hash rate that you would have seen had everyone had you know access to another you know five billion dollars or whatever was in the queue. Yeah, and uh, how much did you guys raise, and what do you what do you spend it on? Yes, we we raised about one hundred and forty million dollars, and we used the capital to to buy a, a second power plant. To modify that plant, uh, to make it possible to buy Bitcoin there, and we use it to to um, to buy Bitcoin mining machines. It's awesome. So one of the plants was the first one on the east side or the west side of the state. The first plant's called Scrub Grass, and that's in western Pennsylvania, about an hour and a half north of Pittsburgh. And the second one is in eastern Pennsylvania, about two and a half hours from New York City. Awesome. Are you there now? That's, I'm uh, I'm in New York today. Oh, nice, nice. I was in, in in Pennsylvania yesterday, Pennsylvania tomorrow. So I'm, it's yeah, it's you, it's a uh, you know while we're growing, it's it is not a hands off operation for sure. How, how many people? Like, what's the composition? It's rare that I talk to people who are running power plants. Uh, do you do you? Yeah. Is it pretty much from the outside looking like a power plant where you have a like you said, engineer, electrical engineers, hardware engineers? Uh, what are other yeah. types of people there around there? 
you know, so it's, it's about 40 full-time employees to run the plant. And that's, you know, it's running all year long. So it's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Um, so it's, you know, multiple shifts to run. If, if you were to go into the control room, and say so you'll have, you know, two or three guys in a control room, the, the big building with the boilers in it doesn't have anyone in it unless something's being repaired because it's a, uh, and it's all automated from the control room. So it's a, you know, given the size of it, like these are massive, like seven story buildings that have a really, you know, multi, multi acre footprint. And so it's a, you know, surprisingly few people, um, run it, but Hey, we need, um, engineering talent. So when something breaks, you need an engineer to diagnose and fix it. So you'll have at least a couple of those. You need the, you know, laborers that, you know, have the coveralls on to go in and actually do the work, uh, to, to repair, uh, you'll need to have, um, plant man, uh, plant managers that will schedule the, and coordinate with those that are mediating waste sites and coordinating, you know, mm-hmm. 60 to a hundred truckloads of that waste coming in a day. Um, we'll have people on staff have, that are working on, can I pause you? You have a hiding and selling all the ash. You have a hundred truckloads of that waste coming in every day per plant. Wow. Wow. That's and wild. it's still it's still thirty years. It's a just the quantity is is uh you know when I when I describe the scale of these things like it, if you're if you're in Pennsylvania give me a call I'll show it to you you won't believe it um you know it's just hundreds of acres of of land that is scarred by you know coal waste and you'll see it backing up to to neighborhoods. Wow, that's wild. And they're toxic. Yeah, so they you know we need to clean them up um, because it's, it is not okay to leave them as they sit. Mm. Um, Man. But yeah, it's hundreds of loads. So there's hundreds of truck drivers driving these things. Truck drivers. And then that's not even, you know, then the data center will have another 20 people per data center. And then to, you know, we'll have, I think I was there yesterday, but there are probably, you know, 60 contractors, trucks, Mm -hmm. they're working to, you know, finish off the installation, electrical installation of the data center. Mm. That's a, then we'll have another group that builds the pods. So it's a, you know, you end up impacting hundreds and hundreds of, of people. And these are usually the high or usually the highest paying job in the counties where we run these things. Mm. So it's, it's a, it's good for the communities. Yeah. It's great for them. I mean, it's a feed three birds with one scone. It's a, you know, clean up the waste out there and the, on the, in the forest and the, planes and then help people with great jobs and then help power the Bitcoin economy. Um, are, are there other cryptos you would power? I mean, do you see the the evolution of mining changing in any substantial way? Obviously, Bitcoin's the big one, um, but there's other uh, proof of... You know what? We So B- Bitcoin is the one that has the most institutional adoption mm-hmm. for, from an investment standpoint. So that's where we focused. But I think there are absolutely other other uses for the power. And, you know, I think it's obvious this is an industry in its infancy. You know, the fintech industry, the, you know, blockchain. I, I'm excited to, to see where this all goes because I, there, there will be probably very few exceptions to industries that aren't impacted by it. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It, it does have the ability to modify, you know, the way we transact and interact you know, probably as much as the invention of the internet did. Yeah. Are you using it personally? Do you see people using Bitcoin personally other than just to whore, uh, like hold on to? 
you know what I have, I'm, 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 I'm begging Amazon to put a, you know, <laughs> purchase Bitcoin in Bitcoin price on the website. You know, I, I suspect they're going to come up with their own Amazon coin, but maybe they'll tie that to Bitcoin. Uh, so no, I, my, my exposure to Bitcoin, hey, we have obviously a lot of exposure in the, in Stronghold's wallet and I'm, I'm a, a big owner of, of Stronghold as well. So I'm, I am, uh, you know, I've said, Hey, I, I have a Coinbase, Coinbase wallet as well, but most of my, uh, exposure is through Stronghold. There was a, a piece of, I don't know if you call it advice. It was just a thought that somebody I interviewed suggested where he said, if you want to look at the, uh, in the crypto projects that are worth investing in, look at where the Bitcoin mining companies uh, allocate their mining resources. So they're going to be very critical of what projects they mine, and they're going to tend to mine the projects that they see the biggest growth in the future. Um, aside from Bitcoin, do you think that's maybe even including Bitcoin? It, is that a strategy? You know, you guys are very much plugged into Bitcoin. It sounds like just staying there. Yeah. But other uh, crypto mining farms are, you know, they have more diverse cryptos that they mine. Is that does that make sense to you? Of course. Yeah. No, that you should you should you you should study the economics of, of every coin and pick the one that gives you the best return. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like our view is hey we're we're happy to study these things, but the economics of mining Bitcoin are substantial enough not yeah. to to um to waver. And as a public company, we we told the market what we're doing. So we're trying to execute on that plan as best we can. But yeah, we, we will be looking at other other uh, uses yeah. of the of the power to to mine other currencies if they make sense. When are you gonna write this book? World needs it. No, I'm not gonna write. <laughs> Say, I just think you know it's only I I went on too long about it. I were I should have talked about stronghold more. So I apologize about that. But no, I, man, I, the the diverse conversation honestly is what's interesting. Like you know, it's not a commercial by by stronghold. You guys are doing amazing yeah. things. But part of the exciting part about having long form conversations with people like you is you have such a a depth of insight into this industry that it highlights it. Like I, I was listening to a podcast eight years ago and it was an interview with a founder and he was talking about a problem in uh, like point of sale marketing and he was never going to solve it. He was never going to work on it, but he knew all about it. He described it. And I went out and I started a company uh, like helping to solve this problem. And it helped me like fill in the gaps of the understanding of the market uh, because you know, h- how else does information and knowledge get, get transferred if it's not through people who have acquired it? So uh, thank you for going down the, the, the path, expressing your opinion no, about sure. energy. It's you like, know, I say, yeah, I think, I think the book has been written and it's not, a, it's not really, I mean, what I'm saying is not a mystery mm-hmm. to those that are, if you're in the, if you're in the business, you know, but Hey, we're, 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 we're a populist society. So, Hey, we're going to do, and, but I think our beliefs, uh, are misguided. So I think hey, you probably thought before this talking to me, maybe, hey, stolen wind, they're as cheap as everything else. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're on par with. It just doesn't happen to be true. That's the issue. Yeah, no, that's an inconvenient fact. I, I heard solar, just by putting up the solar panel on roofs, you pay more in the insurance and the manual labor that the guy has to come up and install it. What if he falls off the roof and he you know, hurts himself? It's like versus have a completely autonomous solar panel, you know, plant somewhere. It just, it makes more sense, but politically you create more jobs. If you have solar panels installed on roofs, it, maybe it sounds better to people, 
But part of, I, I mean, part of our challenge as a society is like just developing our cognitive capability, the sophistication of our understanding of these systems. Back, you know, looping back to the first point, it's like energy and money. It's like people just don't think about this for the first two decades of their life. But if you vote and you contribute your intellectual capacity to our society, like we want people to be knowledgeable about these things and um, it's happening. So any uh, places that you do write or speak or uh, uh, tweet uh, that you want to throw out there or any shout outs? You know what? I've, 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 commi- I've committed to try to make it to at, at least one investor Bitcoin conference a month. So this 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 will be a you know a, we're a really new public company uh, at Stronghold. So I'm trying to to do a better job to get our story out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll I'll be at um, you know Bitcoin in Miami. Um, I think it's in April. Uh, I think B Riley has a conference on the West Coast in in May, and I'll be speaking at that one. I think there uh, TPH has a conference in Houston at some point. So I think there are trying to do at least one or two a month just to, um, to help get our story out. Um, yeah. And then I think I'm on LinkedIn. So I, I think if I, if I'm saying something publicly, I put it on the, uh, LinkedIn link. Nice. Nice. Well, I encourage you to keep tweeting or writing about ideas that you have that you think other people need to know because you're in a great position. Uh, a lot of people respect you and listen to you, myself included. So go nuclear, go stronghold. Thanks for your time today, Greg. It was really fun to get to know you. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts, tweet about it, or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 